Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Good morning, Bridgewater Church. It's great to be together on this Sunday morning. And what an incredible journey we have had as we've unpacked the many different storylines in Acts chapter 3 and 4. It's been really exciting, and believe it or not, we have come to the final message in this series, Cool Off and Breathe. And one more time, I want to take us to our anchor verses that have helped us understand the framework for everything that God was doing in the life of the early church. And these verses have become so uh, much a part of my life these last few weeks. So let's look at them together. Acts 3, 19 through 20. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Now think about that phrase when we talk about a season or a time of refreshing. Literally in the Greek language, Peter said this, that when we repent of our sins, God gives us a season of cooling like a cold drink of water. But it's more than that. It's also a recovery of a breath that leads to revival. This is exactly what Peter was saying there to the Jewish people that had gathered at Solomon's colonnade as he preached his second message. Peter was saying, listen, Jesus Christ died for our sins. He is the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah. He's resurrected from the dead. And when we repent of our sins, God sends the power and the anointing of this resurrected Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit into our lives. And when that happens, we have this season of cooling. It's like taking a cold drink of water on a steamy hot day. And he says, but it continues. It's a recovery of our breath that leads to revival. Listen, I've been challenging everybody these last few weeks. Let's just stop. Let's just put the to-do list aside. Let's not get caught up in all of our calendars, especially as we are moving into fall. I know, it's tempting. We all have things to do. But can we stop? Can we just cool off and breathe? And, and let God prepare us for a season of revival when Jesus the Christ, our Savior, is so close to us. And I want to say this to some of you that have tuned in. I hope you're sharing this series with friends and family. I hope you're saying, listen, you've got to dig deep into the Word of God in Acts chapter 3 and 4. And this is the reason why. We all have seasons when it is a struggle to put our faith in God. We all have seasons where we come to God as skeptics instead of believers. In fact, perhaps, perhaps, 
you literally are trying to figure out if God is real. The foundations of your faith have been shaken. Or you've never even really been introduced to Jesus the Messiah. What a perfect time to come into the presence of God and realize you're not alone. God has a season of refreshment. It may not feel like it right now. You may feel like you're, you're being scorched on a hot day. Or you are in a, a barren desert. But can I read you a quote I found? This is from Nancy Spiegelberg. I love that last name. Nancy said something. It's actually, she wrote a prayer that I think we all need to send sailing off to God. Listen to this. Lord, I crawled across the barren desert to you with my empty cup, uncertain but asking for any small drop of refreshment. If I had only known you better, I would have come running with a bucket. Are you, are you approaching God these days with a cup? Maybe you've only got a little syringe. Or are you approaching God with a bucket, saying, God, fill me with the refreshment that only you can give. Bridgewater Church, God is doing something amazing, and I want you to know this. He's preparing us. If you want to be prepared, and there are people that don't, there are people that don't want that revival of God. They, they, they don't want to stop and trust God. But if you want it, if you want to know the power of God, I believe God is preparing us. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But what it does mean that we're going to have to trust God. Last week, we realized that a foundation for uh, this refreshment that only God can give is prayer. We talked about prayer at length last week. But today I want to finish by talking about generosity. I want to talk about what it means to be able to give to others out of the overflow of the refreshment that God gives to us. It's exciting. I'm excited about this message. And I want to do just a quick recap. So the beggar at the gate beautiful has been healed. Peter and John are with this walking man, this miraculous walking man in Solomon's colonnade. But then they're arrested because they're preaching in the name of Jesus. The Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, released them, not knowing what to do with them. And they went back to the church. The church had gathered together, and they went back, and they prayed. They prayed with such trust and faith that when the prayer was over, God shook the foundations of the place where they were meeting. And then they went out, and in the power of this refreshment from God, they saw hundreds, if not thousands of people come to know Jesus as their Savior. There were miracles of transformation, spiritually, physically. It was incredible. And now today, we're at this last section of Acts chapter 4, and Luke, our writer, the same person who wrote the Gospel of Luke, Luke, our writer, gives three observations of a church 
generously refreshed by God. And this, this message should remind us, teach us, and empower us to understand the three observations, the three things God is looking for in our church and our ministry, in our lives today. So let's get started. I'm going to begin with just the first part of Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Very simple but powerful. Are you ready? Here it is. All the believers were one in heart and mind. I just want to read it again. You read it with me. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Here's the first observation. Refreshing generosity requires a church community commitment. What is God looking for in a church that he can bless? Here it is. Observation one. In the early church, this is what Luke says was taking place. There is a refreshing generosity, and it's a requirement that God expects from a church community commitment. I know, it's a little cumbersome, isn't it? But let me, let me unpack it for us. Let, let's talk about it. When was the last time you observed a large group of people, wait a minute, when was the last time you observed three or four people who were so united, they were in agreement completely in, in, in one mind and, and one heart? When was the last time you saw that? I, I can't even remember that. But do you know that is exactly what the early church was? Literally, literally, I like the, the way that uh, Luke wrote it originally. He said that everyone was of one heart and one soul. Now here's why. There was refreshment through the power of the Holy Spirit Hundreds and hundreds, and we know even thousands of people, were coming into the church in Jerusalem. They were believing in Jesus Christ. And there was such a power that not only do we see miracles, like the beggar that was healed and became a man walking, but think about this. Isn't this an incredible miracle when an entire ministry, a church, a family are of one heart, and one soul. They're all on the same page with God. That is incredible. Now, a simple way to put it is the church was united. And this is exactly what Peter had promised. If we would repent and turn to God, he would give us this season of refreshment. But I want to take it to a whole new level. Have you ever thought of generosity being not, not our funds, not our talents, but our, have you ever thought of generosity as being open-minded? Have, have you ever thought of that? We all have opinions. But what literally Luke is observing is that there was such a refreshing power that everyone in the body of Christ in the Jerusalem church was of one heart and of one mind. They generously supported one another. 
That's exactly what God is expecting of us. And when that happens, miraculous things begin to take place. In fact, let me tell you a story that is unforgettable from my ministry in Pennsylvania. We were getting ready to take a large group of people on a mission trip to an Indian reservation in South Dakota. These Native Americans were wonderful. And we were in partnership and had been for years in this ministry with them. And a group of our folks wanted to go and create a vacation Bible school. I was going to be able to preach. And on a Sunday morning, the house was packed. But one of the leaders said, can you let everybody know that we have a spot left on the trip. Some things had changed. Well, that, that's not an announcement I would have normally made on a Sunday morning, but I felt God prompting me to make that. So in, in the midst of the announcements, did you ever know that announcements at church can be worship? Their, their holiness to God? I know they don't always feel that way. But I said simply, hey, if anyone is interested, there is a spot open. The trip is leaving next week. But if you can arrange everything and go, then I am encouraging you, let our leaders know about this. Suddenly, a man got up and said, Pastor, now I, I don't have people stand up during announcements normally. And this man got up and he says, Pastor, can I say something? Well, that always makes you just a little bit concerned. And, and I said, Brother, go ahead. He said, I would love to go on this trip, but I am not able. He said, but God just placed it in my heart that I am willing to pay, my wife and I will pay, the full amount for someone to go. Now this was not a couple with a lot of funds and money. Not at all. But he stood up and, and he was nervous. He was shaking. He's like, I, I'm just supposed to say it. And so I, I, I said this. I said, brother, thank you for the generosity. If there is someone here that is thinking God would want you to go, let us know after the service. Then a woman stood up. She stood up and said, I was just praying before you announced, Pastor, that I wanted to go to South Dakota, but I don't have the funds. And as I was praying, this man, this I don't even know this brother, he got up and he wanted to send someone from our community to this sister community in South Dakota. She said, I know I'm supposed to go. The church erupted in praise. I couldn't even get everybody back together for several minutes. People were just extraordinarily blessed. Why? It's exactly what we're talking about. A refreshing generosity from God requires a church community commitment. We have to be committed to God and to the generosity of God. In Listen, before we ever give our funds, it's one heart, one mind. It's one heart, one soul. I want to challenge us this morning to give of ourselves. But don't think that church life is perfect. Church life isn't perfect. In fact, I, I felt the need to take us over to Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. 
Let me just read this. Hang in there as I I unpack these verses. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So how did it work out? Listen to this. The proposal pleased the whole group. Did you catch that? The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Listen, did you grab this? Now we're just talking a little bit of time has elapsed. We're just saying a little bit of time has elapsed. And we're going from the church being shaken, we're going to the church actually having problems and complaints. Over what? The Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews were saying, listen, some of the widows are being neglected. And because of that, they brought it to the attention of the disciples. I love what the disciples said. We're not going to get involved in complaining and gossiping, and and, and we're not going to do all that. What we're going to do is we're going to create leadership in the life of this new church that can oversee the distribution of food to everyone. And you know what? They presented these seven men. Now, notice their requirements. Full of the refreshing power of the Holy Spirit. Full of the refreshing wisdom of God. And they presented them to the church. And it pleased the entire assembly. It pleased everyone. And then what did they do? What did the apostles do? They went back to what they were called to do. They didn't mediate issues. They prayed. They taught. They preached. They shared. And the the whole church was united, one heart and one soul. In fact, let me tell you what people didn't do. Now listen, church, grab this. People didn't gossip. People didn't complain to all their neighbors. They went directly to the source, the leaders of the church with their problems. They didn't try to play the God card. I get so tired of people that play the God card and say, well, God told me this, and then they go off and do whatever they want to do. That's ridiculous. We're the body of Christ. We're in, we're in unity together. That's what makes us strong. Through the power and the refreshment of the Holy Spirit, the early church was able to move through their difficulties, not by everybody going and doing their own thing, but by being generously united, one heart and mind. And then did you notice what happened? It says the church grew rapidly. The church grew 
rapidly. Luke's, Luke's observation is essential. A refreshing generosity requires a church community. We're the community of God together, and we're committed to Christ and to one another. Now, let's move to Acts chapter 4, and let's go to the second half of verse 32, but let's read through verse 35. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that there were no needy persons among them. Let me read that again. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Here's our second insight. This observation Luke gives us is essential. Refreshing generosity requires a church uninhibited sacrifice. Now, again, I know that's a little awkward, but let's grab that. Let's say it together. That refreshing generosity requires a church uninhibited sacrifice. Now, when I look at the early church and I see what God was doing, I realize something very, very interesting. The early church really was not a commune. Now, I'm not saying that people didn't group together, or maybe there were uh, established areas where believers uh, lived together in unity. But what we realize is many of the believers in the early church, they were married, they had homes, they had jobs, just like the church today. And what we understand is that from time to time, there were believers, and don't think they were like wealthy believers. There were just believers in Jesus who were so refreshed by the power of the Holy Spirit that they came and they laid the funds from the sale of homes and property before the church to be used as people had need. Let me, let me just make this simple. I call this, Reservoir versus river theology. Reservoir versus river theology. You know what a reservoir is? It's a body of water that is held in one place. You know what a river is? A river flows and continues moving. Here's how it works. If I am a reservoir and I think everything that I own is mine, then I think that whatever God gives to me is for me and me alone. That's a reservoir. I'm going to hold it. Can I even say this? I'm going to hoard it, and it's mine. But if I'm a river for God, then God blesses me, and those resources, those blessings, the things that God gives to me flows into me, and I am generously willing to bless others as needs arise. 
I'm willing to give generously of my time, my talents, and my tithe to the storehouse in this church that I belong to because God has given me so much. It's not mine to hold on to. And that's why this, this second observation is essential. Luke is saying we can't be refreshed unless we're generous. But if we are generous, as a church, if we're uninhibited, we'll sacrifice, and it won't even feel like a sacrifice. We'll just give because we can. I'm going to give them my time. I'm going to give them my talents. I'm going to give in such a way because God has blessed me so much. But listen. You and I both know we live in a pretty selfish world. You and I both realize that it is very, very much a part of the DNA of our culture and society that says, I have, give me more. In fact, there's a sense of entitlement that says, I want things, and no matter what I want, uh, I don't care what you have, this is all for me. I love what Elizabeth Elliot once wrote. She is the wife of a man who was a missionary to the Akua Indians in South America who gave his entire life trying to reach one tribe. Later on, after the loss of her husband, this is what she said. Do you often feel like parched ground, unable to produce anything worthwhile? I do. When I am in need of refreshment, it isn't easy to think of the needs of others. But I have found that if, instead of praying for my own comfort and satisfaction, I ask the Lord to enable me to give to others, an amazing thing often happens. I find my own needs wonderfully met. Refreshment comes in ways I would never have thought of, both for others and then, incidentally, for myself. Now, I want you to Just wrap your minds, after hearing this from Elizabeth Elliot, I want you to wrap your minds again around the idea, what Luke observes in verse 33 and 34. He said, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was powerfully, was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy, persons among them. Literally, Luke is telling us in the early church, the great grace of God was upon them all. I want you to picture this with me, okay? Are you ready? Picture an avalanche of snow. Can you see it in your mind? An avalanche of snow. Think about God's power this way. How many of us would like to be buried in the great avalanche and grace of God's love how many of us would in fact did you know that the word grace here in this means also loud think about this what would it be like for a loud avalanche of God's grace to land on all of us because he knows we are so willing without any inhibition we're uninhibited to give to others as God has given to us. And that leads to the third and last observation. 
Acts chapter 4, verse 36 through 37, we read this. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Here's our third insight. Refreshing generosity requires a church encouraging leadership. Now, think about this. Our first observation, refreshing generosity requires a church community commitment. Then, refreshing generosity requires a church uninhibited sacrifice. But this third insight in this observation from Luke of the early church is essential today. Refreshing generosity requires a church encouraging leadership. Now, Barnabas is one of my favorite persons in the New Testament. Not long ago, I I actually spoke about Barnabas and the impact that he had on the lives of others. Technically, he was known as Joseph. He was from Cyprus. But he had family in Jerusalem. John, Mark, and of course, John's mother. He was also a Levite, a man involved in the worship of the temple. But to the apostles, he was known as Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Don't you love that? Barnabas, the son of encouragement. How would people know us as a church? What would our tagline, our name be? Bridgewater Church, a place of transformation where we seek, we share, we serve, and we sin. Are are we becoming known for that? How about you? What what would your name be? What would your other name be? I was doing some research on my own name. Listen to what I came up with. Wouldn't this be wild? Wouldn't it be great if people would say, there goes the Ohioan, Drew Allen Wilkerson, a preacher of God's word, strong, valiant, courageous, and wise. That's actually what my name, Drew, means. Strong, valiant, courageous, and wise. Is that how I'm known? How are we known? Barnabas was known, what a beautiful way to be known, as an encourager. Think about it. John Mark became the Mark who wrote the gospel, but he bailed on Paul and Barnabas at Pamphylia. But uh, Barnabas took this relative under his wing and encouraged him. Think about how he took on Saul until Saul became Paul. This is exciting. Here's, here's what Barnabas did. Barnabas was known for encouraging guidance, empowering followers with potential to become leaders of power. I have a question. Do you want to become a leader of generosity that is life-changing in the church? Now, can I stop here and can I say this lovingly? Listen to what I'm going to tell you, church. There's a lot of people who want the, respo- or want the respect of leadership without the responsibility of leadership. They want the title without the follow-through. I've seen it over, I've been in ministry a long time. I've seen leaders who reach their lid 
They're leadership-led. They don't want to go any further. And so you know what happens? Oftentimes those people go to other churches to be absorbed so that they become unknown. They, they sit on a back row. They, they, don't, they, they want to be involved only at their level of comfort. Listen, we need to be a church like the early church where we literally are encouraging leaders and empowering leaders and we are a place where leaders are encouraged. That's what I was thinking about. I'm so blessed at this church with so many leaders. I could just go right down the list. But I was thinking of two. My Barnabas personally in this church, and he's a Barnabas to all of you, is Pastor Rod Rowe. Pastor Rod Rowe is an encourager. He's got a smile on his face. He's always saying, listen, we can do this. He is our Barnabas. But then I thought, what a beautiful thing, because we've just called a younger pastor, Pastor Rick Hayes, to be a part of our ministry. All of our staff are important, but I cannot wait to watch how a Rod Rowe, who is a Barnabas, impacts the life of someone like Pastor Rick. And then our ministry begins to grow and explode. Why? Because of generosity. When there is a refreshing wind of the Holy Spirit, when seasons of revival come, it requires leadership. That's why so many churches struggle, because there's not enough leaders who lead with the power of love and grace. It, it's all about hoarding reservoir instead of being a river. Not here at Bridgewater Church. In fact, I love what Zig Ziglar said. He was a businessman, but he was a committed follower of Christ. He said, when you encourage others, you in the process are encouraged because you're making a commitment and difference in that person's life. Encouragement really does make a difference. So, how do we close this incredible series, Cool Off and Breathe? Are we going to be generous? I, in fact, I'm going to challenge you to make some decisions today like you've never made them before. And I'm going to ask you to think about resources and reassurance. Will you say that with me? Resources and reassurance. Do it again. Two, two-fold challenge. Resources and reassurance. Here's the first. Resources are the the things that God has given to us, our, our time, our talent, our tithe, our funds, our finances. I'm going to ask you this. Are you ready to give of your resources, your time to God's kingdom, your talents in the ministry of Bridgewater Church if this is your home? If, if you're watching and this isn't your home church, where are you going to give? I'm, I'm so humbled you would track with us online, but where are you going to give? It doesn't matter if we're an in-house family or an online family. We're both, but we all have to give. We, we all are called by Jesus Christ and the refreshing power of the Holy Spirit to give. So I want you to think about your resources. Are you willing to give of your time to God? Are you willing to give of your talents to the body of Christ, the church? And are you willing to tithe? Are you willing to take the first 10% of your gross income and tithe it to the storehouse? If we're your church online family, then we encourage you to give online to this ministry. This is how we continue to serve. Pastor Liz is our online pastor. We have techs. 
we have so many people, staff, others that are here. Together, we can be a generous church that is transformational to, to wherever God has planted us. Wherever you are, that's where Bridgewater Church is, and I'm excited about that. So are we going to give our resources? But what about our reassurance? I just want you to think of one word, encouragement. Are you going to be reassuring to others and encouraging others? Or are you going to do your own thing? Is church going to be about what, what you and I want? Hey, I want, I want this this way. I want this this way. I've heard it all the time. I hear it from people that will say, well, if the church was just this, or I was hurt in a church ministry, I get it. There isn't anybody that's perfect. But listen, we're talking about revival. We're talking about the refreshing wind of the Holy Spirit. It begins with God in us and the power of God's Spirit flowing through us. And so reassurance. Are you willing to be an encouragement to others and say, the church and God's kingdom matters. So here's what we're going to do. Here's the challenge. Are you ready? I'm going to pray for us, but I want you to put out one hand. You choose. I'm going to put out my right hand, but I, this is the hand of resources. Okay? This is the hand of resources. All that God has given to you, time, talent, and tithe, is in this hand. These are your resources. If you're willing to give this to God, put your hand out. Put your, in fact, I'll just say put your right hand out, if that means we're doing it together. We're united. I love it. Put your right hand out. Okay? Now put your left hand out. This is reassurance and encouragement. We're going to give all of this to God right now. And I want to pray a prayer of commitment for us. From God's heart to our hands, we're going to be generous. God, our hands are out, our resources and our reassurance. We commit our time, talent, and tithe to you today. And God, we commit our encouraging words of love and trust in you, but we are going to shower others with encouragement because you have blessed us so much. Help us to be a church that is prepared for and ready to be a place and a people of revival. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love you guys so much. Now here's what I need you to do. Okay, are you ready? First, if you are giving and tithing your time, talents, and tithe to God, just do a shout out. Liz, I'm all in on resources, but if you consider BWC your home and you're not tithing, please go online. Please go online, and it's an easy process to begin giving the first of what God has given to you to the ministry of the church. But don't let it stop there. I want you to reach out to Pastor Liz. Ask her, how could I serve locally? If you're not near BWC here in Fairfield Township, Ohio. But if you are, then look at the announcements. Where can you get connected through the various ministries that we have? No matter where we are, we have resources that we can give. And then secondly, I want to challenge you with reassurance. Find three people in the next 48 hours that you can encourage. 
Encourage via text, encourage via phone, encourage via email, but find three people that you're going to say, God has blessed me so much, I want to be a blessing and pour into them. This is going to be an exciting season. And don't forget you're not alone. We love you. And until we see each other again, take heart and be transformed. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.